it sounds like no matter what, what is sure is that sports and intended sports in person are going to look very different than what they've used to be for at least for a while. That sounds like that's going to be, to answer the first question, a new normal is that it doesn't sound like we're going to be in packed stadiums for a while. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. Today we have uh, Jeff Kaminsky with uh, Lewis Brisboy and uh, the law firm, and he is uh, an expert and an advisor on all things sports, from sports venues to sports vendors to leagues to team owners to athletes, whatever you Whatever you do in sports, he can probably advise you. And uh, we have some crazy things going on right now, of course, in the world. Uh, this is our continuing conversation about uh, the COVID-19 crisis as we continue to figure out, really, Jeff, how we evolve from this moment. And at this time, we're, we're just exploring new legal fields and theories and uh, things that no one ever expected. So I can imagine people want to know, okay, are we going to get back to sports? And if we do... What do you think the new normal looks like? How do you advise clients through that? I know that's one hell of a loaded question, but for sports, what does a, what does a new normal look like? You think? Well, let's let's thank you first for having me. I'm really appreciative to join the show and to help others and guide them through a process of just uh, what's going on in in our uh, world. And first and foremost, I hope everybody's staying healthy. I hope everybody is staying safe. Um, you know, because the more we're, we stay healthy and the more we stay safe, we can experience and observe, you know, things that we, you know, maybe have taken for granted. And one of those things is sports. Um, you know, in terms of what, what has happened and where we've been, uh, I'm pretty sure the general public is, and anybody perhaps watching this is aware of uh, what has unfolded and, and uh, in terms of, you know, various uh, teams, leagues, um, either postponing, canceling, or even filing for bankruptcy, um, you know, going through this process. Obviously, you know, uh, for example, uh, everything started in the United States on March 11th, uh, 2020, when the NBA uh, suspended its season. Um, And then everything really just fell from there. Uh, The Olympic Games in Tokyo were suspended until 2021. Uh, the XFL was canceled uh, and filed for bankruptcy. Various events um, uh, in the in the PGA and even the Kentucky Derby, uh, and that's now postponed until September. Um, so there's been a lot of issues of you know uh, thinking about how to restart everything. Um, and so really, what it boils down to is what the government, our federal or state, uh, are doing and saying from a reopening standpoint. Um, and uh, it, it gets a little complicated because- well, That's gonna get really complicated if you depend on federal and state, because you probably need both for, if we're talking about major, if we're talking about you know NBA or cross state sports. Right. And so there's a lot of issues floating around uh, within the actual leagues. Uh, for example, the uh, NBA has talked about having having limited workouts in specific locations starting May 8th, which I guess is three days from now of this taping. 
Um, and uh, we're also talking about, um, you know, various uh, uh, ideas from a, a major league baseball standpoint, if those can be played in, in specific locations. For example, the players union and, and um, uh, major league baseball are starting to come to a agreement. Um, and one of the ideas floating around is that um, games will be resumed in specific locales. For example, uh, Arizona uh, as a state might be re reopening sooner than other states that are um, uh, uh, higher risk and more centric to coronavirus. Um, and so they're talking about creating an infrastructure in specific locales to resume baseball. Um, but with that said, um, there have to be various um, uh, industries that also uh, reopen um, to help the the structure of the actual There's sport. no question, right? Yeah, you got, it's not just, okay, you know, like sports happens, it's just, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You got, I imagine, hotels, these people have to eat. Uh, I mean, there's all types of levels I'm sure I'm not thinking about. Uh, what are the exposures for both the players and then the, I guess, the institutions on that? Like, how does one, how, how does one go about that? Well, the, the, the athletes are, and players are just essentially em employees of the team. And so sure. really it's an issue for uh, the team, the ownership groups, the stadium owners, um, and, and third-party vendors beyond just the league. Because obviously um, the league has to allow the teams and team ownership groups to restart but uh, you're absolutely right. You have to think about uh, various hotels. And so let me get the most important question out of there before you do that. You're, you're, it sounds like you're predicting by the fall we're going to have sports at minimum, it sounds like. And it sounds like the NBA is not trying – they're still trying to have a season? Do you, do you have any – I mean, you can't disclose anything, that you, but it, it seems like they're aiming that way. Is, it not, is that not correct? They're aiming that way, but nothing has been decided conclusively or put out for public consumption because uh, everything is still in limbo and various, um, you know, uh, cities that have sports teams uh, and states uh, that have sports teams haven't been reopened yet. Um, so a lot is still being discussed from a legal standpoint. Um, you have to keep in mind that because there have been government shutdowns and lockdowns, there can't be any action, but there are definitely ideas uh, that are, are, are coming to fruition. Um, I know that in the world of golf, um, there's gonna be a uh, $4 million skins game on May 17th in Florida to raise money in aid of uh, coronavirus charities. And they're only allowed to do that in Florida because Florida's governor has reopened golf resorts. Now, obviously, there have to be certain precautions stepped up to make sure that there is social distance compliance uh, through the CDC. But because the state of Florida, by way of example, has opened up golf courses, golf courses can choose to open up uh, or not. But now that they're allowed to open up, um, an event like this uh, in golf can happen. Um, once again, they're predicting that the Kentucky Derby can uh, take place in September. Uh, that can't happen right now because they're, they haven't allowed certain venues to take place to, to occur. But they're planning for these things in advance so that they can uh, uh, reach certain deals from a, a publicity standpoint 
naming rights is going to be an interesting issue because let's say um, you're going you start an NFL season in um, in the fall, whenever it is. Teams uh, are creating different technological advancements and security measures to make sure they're in compliant with CDC guidelines, but more importantly, um, create public trust so that people can go. Um, yesterday, the, the Miami Dolphins publicly disclosed that when they do reopen and play games, whenever that may be, um, they're going to have a, a seating stadium, a sta stadium seating arrangements so that they're compliant with certain guidelines. Um, they're wow. talking ab about having maybe 10 to 15,000 attendees to watch a game um, instead of its capacity at 75,000. Um, they're also talking about um, uh, changing out sections into in-bowl suites to create compliance with guidelines. And if there's families, for example, that go to the games, they can all sit together because they have been together in the same So house. hold on that. It sounds like no matter what, what is sure is that sports and intended sports in person are going to look very different than what they've used to be for at least for a while. That sounds like that's going to be, to answer the first question, a new normal is that it doesn't sound like we're going to be in packed stadiums for a while. Is that, would that be a fair assessment? I think even if states and federal governments allow it to occur, which hasn't happened yet, but even if it does, I think the critical issue for um, stadium ownership groups, vendors of venues, um, hotels, food and beverage, any, even the athletes, it's all going to be an issue less about legal and more about safety and public trust. Yeah, that's uh, true. You're, you're it makes such a great point. I mean, just to hold on that point a little bit, then I'll let you finish. It's, you can open the business all you want to and say you go out there and open it, but if people don't trust that they're safe, doesn't matter. It does not matter. So when I hear this is my personal opinion, people are saying, let we got to reopen the economy. Everybody wants to reopen the economy from my perspective. The question is how and when, because, you know, if, if my fear is if you don't do it right, and then people lose trust and then there has to be another shutdown. That's a lot. That's, I think that that damage is much more than the intense short-term damage. We're going through damage. I don't want to underestimate the amount of damage people are going through because it's a lot, but I think done wrong, it could be even more if we open up and we don't open up. Right. Is that, the, is that your assessment as well? Yeah, that's the general consensus for, uh, you know, from a, from a non-legal standpoint, but more from a business standpoint. I mean, look, you're in Ohio. I would love to eat a Skyline Chili's hot dog. <laughs> and, my man um, knows where he's from. You know the area. That's good. Oh, yeah. Well, don't, don't let my Michigan shirt fool you. I actually went to Ohio State for law school. Okay. Um, so I know the, the area very well. I'd love to you know, uh, for example, another uh, uh, hot Ohio item that I love to, to have is Grater's ice cream. Oh, yeah. And, you know. You're all Cincinnati why, staples, too. You're, you're doing well here. Keep it Absolutely. Going. Of course. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, let's say, you know, grocery stores are open now. But how many people of the general public are uh, not going to those grocery stores and hiring third parties like Instacart or or other or, or um uh, 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 or, or third parties right. uh, to, or Uber Eats 
to pick out that grater's ice cream from the freezer uh, section. Um, so it's all about public trust and, um, you know, there's for stadiums, while they might be open for business, um, and they actually are open for business. And one of the things that has been mo most fascinating is to see how stadiums and arenas are trying to help out the community now, even if there are uh, government shutdowns. The Miami Marlins have created the stadium uh, uh, to open up for testing. Um, uh, the um, uh, the, uh, uh, the the biggest uh, venue in Rio de Janeiro has become a hospital. Wow! And, and unfortunately, in New York City, there's a stadium that has uh, created uh, housing for um, uh, morgues, essentially. And yeah. So, oh my God! That's horrible. Um, so while but I was telling people you, your point, and to finish, at this stage in this Corona craziness that we're in. Uh, businesses now have to make sure they're doing more to expand their, their, their social capital. It's about what you're doing, the value you're showing customers, not just trying to make money because this is a tough time, obviously. Um, but I think the businesses that, that come out of this and come out of this strong will, 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 will do so based upon the goodwill of the things they're doing right now in the midst of this crisis. So I think that's smart. Well, beyond goodwill, it's also about being business savvy and pivoting when you need to. Uh, just this morning, ESPN announced that it was going to uh, do a uh, television deal with Korean baseball because what they've decided is that fans and people in America want to see live baseball regardless. And so uh, by striking that deal to show live baseball, uh, it's now expanding its, its horizons internationally of the same sport being played in the U.S. What's also happening is uh, race car drivers are turning to iRacing, in which they're uh, providing virtual uh, racing or gaming. Um, and even in that same uh, breath, um, the gambling industry in Las Vegas and the hotels are being shut down. So what are they seeing to pivot to? Uh, um, uh, Esports are gaming for money. And that's creating an interesting business uh, model, but now also creating a very unique business opportunity from a legal perspective to determine whether in, um, in national but uh, uh, sports betting across the country would be legal from that capacity. Um, and we all know that it's, it's not legal. Um, I'm sure they're making a push to try to get it to be legal good, given the current circumstances. I'm sure the lobbies are pushing hard. Lobbies are pushing hard, but it's a very interesting uh, pivot for uh, uh, gaming companies and um, companies. By the way, that, I mean, my opinion, I think they should let them do it. I mean, that was like people don't gamble. They do. So, uh, I mean, you got whole industries that shut down. That's my, that, that, that is my perspective just off top of the head. But well, there's, there's a lot of recent law on that, uh, including um, a case that went through the New Jersey uh, state uh, system to determine whether fantasy sports were considered gambling or was it a game of chance. Um, and so, um, you know, I urge people that if they're interested in learning more about, you know, sports gambling um, in, from, in, from a national context and see where that trajectory might go, um, I would uh, look at any of those legal opinions or a colleague of mine, Dan Wallach, has become an expert in uh, gambling in, in the sports venues in not only nationally, but internationally. So 
Um, but it's definitely an issue what's going on. And in fact, from a virtual perspective, um, which I think by the way, is going to be the future, uh, the future. Anyway, we were, we were, we were already going towards the direction of more virtual events. Uh, you know, now it's, I, I do think all the sports venues, uh, would be wise to figure out ways to engage people digitally because it's, 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 it, it was already reducing anyway, but now this just, I think, you know, this is going to make people think twice about, you know, do I really want to even take the chance of going to a big event? Right. So here's, here's what's being discussed. So for example, if you're one of those lucky quote unquote, lucky 10,000 to 15,000 people that wants to go to a Miami dolphin game in the fall, if, with that being the hope, think about what has to happen in order for you to actually do that. You have to go get parking. You have to get tested from a uh, temperature perspective. You have to exchange your ticket or through your phone to, to pass somebody who is not social distancing yourself from you. You're probably going to have, they're probably, stadiums are probably going to need to buy thermal uh, video monitoring to make sure that people's body temperatures stay cool. Um, and what happens if you arrive at the stadium and all of a sudden your temperature is 100? And that, that morning, and you haven't been showing symptoms for weeks, what happens from a refund perspective? What happens in terms of getting yourself back home safely without uh, getting anybody sick? The alternative is the technologies that are being created, perhaps, uh, to allow that fan experience. In fact, there's one company out there, I'm not going to name them because I'm not promoting them, but they're creating virtual reality experiences um, so that you can wear a headset or some site. They're based in Florida, South Florida, that company, I think, right? That company there, are, there, are comp there are companies in Florida, but there are other yeah. companies as well nationally that are creating these, this technology for in-game virtual reality. Oh, reality games, yep. So that you can stay, yeah, but you can stay home, put on your helmet or whatever it, the technology is, and then watch the game. Uh, as if you're sitting in. Well, we can talk offline. That's a good company. I look to invest stock because that, that that thing can go well. <laughs> uh, everybody chooses their stocks to their own discretion. That's what the lawyer is going to say. Exactly. No, that's what you should say. But I'm interested to know what that, that company is because I was thinking, I tell people they have to look for the trends. This is augmented virtual reality is already here. It's not commonly accepted amongst people, but it will be. And when, you know, when we get 5G, 5G is not causing coronavirus, by the way, do not believe that. Uh, when we get more 5G, uh, that will make it even more of a reality, just, a, just, as, just as a side note. Jeff, what do you think, though, you're discussing all of these clearly complications for logistics that have to be thought out in a, in a post-COVID-19 world in sports. I'm thinking about those, and what about college sports? This seems to be a whole other level of complication there. Any thoughts about how college venues should go about this? Because that just, that just seems like a nightmare, but I'd love to get your opinion on that. Well, with college sports, it's a whole different animal, but it, it falls under the same structure of how the university or college is going to be handling the opening of um, the schools. So if the schools are not open, then that uh, de facto means that the, the the teams or the clubs are not able to practice or participate. So let's say, for example, in the Big Ten, because I know we're talking um, Ohio and Michigan country, let's say uh, Ohio has been great with its response and they're opening more quickly than the state of Michigan for whatever reason. All of a sudden, um, you know, whether it's the president of the university 
um, or the athletic director of Ohio State says we can reopen. Well, just because they reopen doesn't necessarily mean the state of Michigan, the University of Michigan, and the athletic director uh, can also say, hey, we're open as well. And in, in, in specifically college football, we all, uh, it takes two to tango. So you might not see uh, college sports for a while. Oh, wow. um, and so how does that handle with all those scholarships and stuff like that? I just wonder all those complications and questions, how will that work? Do right. You know? so, right. So the, what the college sports, what the NCAA has, has done is, is followed and trailed in what the Major League Baseball and the Players Union have struck, which is providing – uh, extra years of eligibility. So in Major League Baseball, what they have allowed is, for example, for example, players can um, make more money or or obtain uh, uh, certain pension benefits if they play a certain amount of years in baseball. So what MLB has decided is, let's say that this season uh, just doesn't happen, it'll allow Major League Baseball players to accrue that year, this year as a part of their retirement or pension That's uh, good. package. So the NCAA is following suit by saying, hey, we'll allow uh, certain athletes um, extra years of eligibility. Now what's being, uh, what's a little complicated is which sports, because right now this has not affected college football as much as it has affected sports in the spring. And so you're uh, finding that uh, those types of um, decisions are still being uh, hashed out and determined whether uh, other years of eligibility can take place. What's also happening is you're seeing uh, a lot of various athletes go into the transfer portal because they fear that they're not going to get a year of, another year of eligibility, or if they do, they're going to have more competition with the inflow of other athletes uh, trying to compete for their stabilized position. So example, uh, a wide receiver from a respected, you know, big 10 college is going to say, you know what, I have these young guns coming for me and Oh wait, there's going to be even more athletes coming. So maybe I go to a smaller division two school and become the big man on campus. So you're seeing that starting to unfold um, because nobody knows how this is going to play out. Are there, are, is the NCAA going to allow more athletes to be on a team than what they already limit because um, of this concern that players uh, or student athletes are going to want to transfer to other locations where they can shine, whether instead of being a, a, a second a string or third string Player where they can't show their their talents. Um, so uh, there is a lot of activity going on. What has recently happened in the last 24, 36 hours is the NCAA has put out an order which has allowed after years of being uh, poked at the side to allow student athletes to have the uh, propriety interest in their uh, likeness or intellectual, time. Yeah. intellectual property. Um, there are going to be certain limitations and there's still a lot of questions on how it's going to be implemented. Um, uh, you can't, for example, you, you can, whether you can use the conference logo or the team's logo, that's, uh, or the school's logo, that's that you're not allowed to do that. But in getting these rights to be paid for certain likeness, 
Does that mean you're going to hire an agent? Well, if you're going to allow you, if the NCAA is going to allow you to hire an agent, well, you know, what agency restrictions that have been in place are now going to get more lenient if that even happens, because otherwise uh, does, you know, a, a bookstore in Columbus go to the quarterback of Ohio state? How do they get, to talk to that person directly. Are they going to have to go through the athletic department? Are they going to have to go through the university? Are they going to have right. to go through an agent? All those things have to be uh, vetted and decided and, and made sure that- So did Corona help with that uh, expedite? I know I heard that was going to happen for a while. Did does Corona change anything with that in particular or did it just expedite the process? No, I, I, I would say it's pure speculation to say that contributed to it. Because right. um, it's been years in the making. There have been legal sure. cases- yeah, yeah no, I know about it very well. I've been, we've had a show on it and I thought it was utterly ridiculous. The fact that they could leverage your likeness and you couldn't even put like, you could have a YouTube show to talk about whatever, how you like sports. And then they say you couldn't do that and you made money from it, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And, and uh, it, the NCAA has been poked for years and years. So I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence. I just think it was, uh, you know, it happened with, with uh, the flow of an uh, evolution of uh, collegiate sports. What about liability for both colleges and institutions? Just thinking about like, how do you think one might be liable if they don't, I mean, I guess if they don't take any precautions and people get sick, I mean, that's probably an easy case, but there's a lot of stuff probably in between. I guess, is there anything that, you know, as a, as a rule of thumb that institutions particularly colleges I care about, but, you know, I'm sure the NBA and others need to know about this, but I'm thinking from a college point of view, what would you advise folks to think about as they step through and navigate through this process in sports? Well, twofold. One would be if you're involved in collegiate sports to any degree, whether you're in athletics, in the athletic department, or a vendor, or, or um uh, participate in any respect to a university or college, there's two things you got to consider. Um, any insurance policy that you have with regard to um, any goods and services you, you uh, uh, either produce or, uh, or supply, um, because there might be some business interruption um, with, those, with those goods or supplies. So look at your insurance policy and make sure uh, that there are certain provisions that would cover you under that. And if so, then uh, reach out to your either insurance agent. And I'm sure that's changing right now, the insurance agency and everything else. So that needs to be really, really specific on that. Right. And so that's the first thing. The second thing I would look at is um, reevaluate how uh, you uh, negotiate and uh, draft contracts. A lot of people, especially in the sports industry, whether it's even even coaches uh, who I've represented, um, don't truly take the time to consider um, all the necessary provisions in, a, in any type of agreement. And when I say necessary, um, most lay people just care about how much am I getting paid uh, over what period of time and how many do, how, what's the exchange of the exact product? Those are called material terms. What I think people are gonna start to realize is focusing on the non-material terms of an agreement and focusing on things that could happen down the road. Yeah. Um, it's the, the phrase force majeure is a, an example of a provision that I think any person who signs into agreement has to now consider. 
Um, force majeure basically means that a contract can be nullified or uh, there be no binding uh, requirements for the parties to continue business uh, if there are certain things that happen in an agreement. That's a great point. Um, and one of those things that I've represented clients then defending them on right now is a force majeure, a provision that has a, uh, a reference to uh, an epidemic. And so I'm allowed to argue, hey, my client does not need to perform on this agreement because there's an epidemic pursuant to the contract. Sometimes force majeure provisions uh, don't, are not inclusive of certain things. The, the most common phrase is act of God. But act of God can be subject to uh, lots of interpretations. So make sure that if you are going to enter into some agreement with another party, don't go for the bare bones. Go for what uh, fully uh, strengthens your position in any situation. And I know people just don't want to spend uh, legal fees, but uh, for the people who didn't include a, you know, a tortious interference provision in their insurance policy or a force majeure provision in their contracts, well, who's laughing now? You know, hey, hey, it's a lot more expensive on the litigation end than the prevention end. That's what I tell people is spend on the prevention end to prevent the litigation end because it's a lot more expensive and way, way more of a headache. Yeah. And, and I'm a litigator by trade. So for me, I've seen uh, a lot of contractual disputes uh, over the silliest of things. Uh, I had a client once who uh, was arguing that my, my client, um, the opposing party was saying that my client shouldn't be in a development center because they were selling yogurt. But the provision said um, they cannot sell ice cream products. And so I had uh, to spend a lot of time to determine whether yogurt was considered ice cream as a matter of law. Oh, wow. And, um, and so, you know, even silly things like that, you just have to be aware of. Um, and that's why you need attorney, attorneys to represent uh, you uh, uh, from a fiduciary standpoint, which means in your best interest. There's no um, question. I mean, we attorneys, I, I am an attorney too. Um, I know we tend to be the most uh, pessimistic about things because we're trained to think about everything that could go wrong. Uh, but that's, that's, that's kind of the job. W but what gives you, as we kind of wrap up, what gives you hope for the post COVID-19 world? Where, where, where do you think we turn out and maybe we turn out better? I, I think from a sports and law perspective, we turn out to be more creative. Uh, we turn out to be more uh, understanding that there could be uh, bigger and better improvements to our sports stadium experience. Um, there was already a trajectory of fans not wanting to pay the high price dollars to go to a venue in, in lieu of staying home, sitting on their comfortable couches and eating whatever food they wanted. Um, on an HD television. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was already that trajectory but um, at least the, the big, uh, big leagues were betting on their fact that the people would still uh, go see um, live the athletes. They would pay $8 for a hot dog. They would pay $4 for a soda and, uh, per person and call it a day. Um, now I think there's going to be a lot of changes from that perspective. There's going um, to also be an influx of non-contact sports uh, opportunities. I think eSports has – has ridden in the last few years up a wave 
And I just don't see it now uh, coming down, the wave coming down uh, as soon as I thought. I think there's going to be an increase in that. Um, you even think about uh, the basics. We were supposed to be at home. Uh, most states uh, were supposed to uh, stay at home orders. Uh, well, if you're a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, what are you going to do at home after you do your homework? You're going to play video games. And so I think you're, this has turned into a grooming period for a lot of potential e-gaming. No um, and so you're going to see a lot of those interesting, I think there's going to be a disruption amongst the major sports, uh, especially uh, sports that involve uh, high contact. Um, but um, the second thing that I'm optimistic for is technological advancements um, in, in venues. And, uh, it and hopefully this allows uh, various entrepreneurs to break into the sports industry where they didn't think they would. Um, you know, uh, a team that, uh, uh, a company that was thinking of helping out um, finding um, uh, people to sit in the stands and help uh, develop software that they could uh, interact with a coach or uh, a team during halftime now has can pivot to uh, what health uh, or medical uh, products can I uh, provide to an arena? Yeah. Um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of cool, innovative opportunities. Um, You're absolutely and, right. And so... I mean, that actually is a way to look at it, Jeff. You know, you, as we, uh, in this country, in this world, honestly, uh, in the midst of a crisis has, you know, when we, when we deal with it right, we've come out of it stronger. Just look at, you know, if we go back World War II, it seems like that's a long time ago, but in, in time, it really isn't. Uh, World War II, we got into there uh, for lots of reasons, but mostly because Japan decided to bomb Pearl Harbor. And it was obviously very tragic going through that but honestly that a lot of that led to the research we have now the innovations we have now because we really focused on innovations it was we used that and really focused on satellites we focused on the internet that's how all of that was literally came to be a lot of things we take for granted now is because we invested at that time because we we had to look uh, a crisis in the face and, and figure out a way forward and my hope, is, similar to yours, is that this post-COVID-19 world, we see an opportunity to innovate. I hope we see an opportunity to look at each other in a more humane way and to understand that we are all connected. Uh, it doesn't matter if, you're, if you come from China. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican. None of that, you know, the, the virus doesn't ask you and say, oh, my gosh, uh, Jeff, are you, are you a Republican today? Let me just, let me skip over you, right? I mean, it doesn't, at the end of the day, the, these labels that we put ourselves in are really false. We created them in order to divide ourselves. And I hope that people see that there's a lot more that we can do together if we're moving forward together. And, and you're saying it. I mean, uh, we're going to band together. I mean, you're absolutely right. With World War II, September 1st, 1939, when the Germans invaded Poland, it created a, a coalition amongst uh, the allies to, to come together and, you know, invade the beaches of Normandy in, uh, in June of 1944. And so what you learn from that experience is you, you can come together and to defeat a common uh, for a common cause and defeat an enemy in, in today's world, you know, you're going to see from a, a sports context, um, you know, various uh, people come together. I mean, you see, what I'm curious to see is, you know, uh, sportsmanship, how that happens. I mean, usually, um, 
in international games, for example, the, the players handshake each other or in uh, Olympic uh, competition uh, after uh, a basketball game, you know, the players shake one another in going from line to line. It happens with uh, in peewee leagues in the, in the United States. Are people going to handshake anymore? Are people going to, strangers going to embrace anymore? What is going to be the, the social norm um, for sportsmanship? Um, I think we're not there in that discussion yet because we're, yeah, we're not there yet. My, my hope is that we, I don't know. Uh, that's a really good question. Right, but we're still, right because nobody's, nobody's getting there. Nobody's going to do that right now. Right. Nobody's <laughs> going to do that right now because people are trying to tackle, you know, what's the, the, the first fence uh, right over the first fence. Well, the, I think the fifth fence is to me, sportsmanship in sports is sportsmanship. And uh, how are you going to tackle that in a, an appropriate way, at least in the short term? Um, so a, yeah, everybody question. When, when are we going to start sports? But sports has all been all about exercise and showing uh, class. And uh, at the end, because it, we all know that it's, it's not life, it's a game. And right. so while I focus business on that, um, you know, for, for the athletes and teams, I think there's going to be a real interesting struggle of how you, really, how you approach that uh, initially. Um, yep, and perhaps we'll have a, we'll have a longer we'll have a longer discussion about that when we, when we see what's happening, because that might be part of the precautions that sport, sports leagues have, might have to advise that, you know, you can't whatever – which I don't know how you're going to do that in a close contact sport like basketball and football anyway, but that's one, one last thing I'll say for, for people who are listening. Um, you see on just general news that there's news articles popping left and right. And from at least my perspective, you don't know what's real. You don't know what's fake. You don't know what's been uh, vetted. You don't know what's been public uh, by multiple sources. I can uh, tell you from a sports uh, news perspective um, I would follow front office sports um, uh, beyond we'll send just, that in a link. Uh, Jeff, send that to me, your information. And yeah, but, uh, but the, send the, that to point, me too. the point is what's it called again? Front office sports, front office uh, sports. Okay. But just make sure generally that you're reading articles that, you know, can, that are vetted and from, uh, that have been truly, uh, published with, uh, with good merit. Yes. Because there's a, there's a lot of garbage out there. It's so well said. And we tell people all the time, listen, um, not only that also see where the source is coming from. Sometimes articles can be accurate, but written in a way to draw your emotion. And I think it's really important for folks to look at it and read it from that perspective. So if you're getting it from any partisan point of view, Right. And sometimes I have partisan points of view, but I'll tell people, like, make sure you understand that you, okay, this is uh, meant, this is meant to draw your emotion. I, right? I will tell you as, we'll as an example, a few weeks ago, I saw in the, in one of my, uh, one of the sports blogs that I follow that for, uh, in random news, Colin Kaepernick was signed by the New York jets yep. and yeah, that definitely got my interest peaked, but especially right before the NFL draft, but it turned out to be fake. Um, you know, wow. and, and so you have to double check. It was total clickbait to get people to say, oh my, from people that, you know, who either love or hate Colin Kaepernick and say, oh my God, I'm a hit on, I'm a hit on this. And they got probably got their, they got their traffic built to their website, which is, 
by the way, so discouraging for someone who wants to, as a, as a really side note, you know, you want to put out content and not that I don't have subjectivity and that I'm, I'm not saying I'm wrong or, and I'm not wrong sometimes, but I, I think we try to at least have a intelligent discussion about things beyond just, you know, just talking nonsense, but it's, you're right. I mean, it seems to be that we are drawn and I'm not, because I can't criticize the public. I probably would have made the mistake and click on it too. So I don't have the answer. I don't know, but I just tell people to not allow this world to drive you insane and the internet is a beautiful thing, but if you let it, it can drive you mad. Agree completely. But in these times, there's a lot of people trying to uh, take advantage of a, a very broken uh, system yep. and uh, just make sure that when you're reading something, um, don't just look at it for the impulse buy, so to speak. Yep. Uh, read, read it to and see if there's any other uh, sources that are uh, uh, reputable sources that are coming out with the same news article. Absolutely. Challenge your own bias because we want to live in a world that, that confirms everything we want to believe to be true. And, you know, so, and, and by the way, of course, social media is programmed that way. I've had many shows on this. And I let people know, like, listen, and they believe it's the truth. Like, no, it's just a program showing you what you want to see. It doesn't mean it's real. It's just like, it's not. It is actually your own little virtual reality. Except, um, ex except Bachelor in Paradise. That's the only real thing on TV. What's that? Except Bachelor in Paradise. That's oh, yeah. That's, well, that's real. That's real. That's real. That's real. Just keep Bachelor in Paradise. You're good. So, right. There's no script, so it has to be real, right? Exactly. So. Hey, Jeff uh, Kaminsky, I appreciate you coming on. I would love to have you on again. Uh, this was fun. 